Hey everybody, welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the exclusive podcast for Teamsters Local 1150 members. I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. And we're here with Jason Shoemaker, our stat man. Um, and we're all going to talk about something that I think is really important um, to every union member. Um, so if there's one thing that every collective bargaining agreement has in common is a grievance procedure. Thank you, Vinny. A grievance procedure. So every single union contract in the country has an established grievance procedure as a part of that agreement. Um, and that's what we want to talk about today, because I think as common as grievance procedures are is the problem that unions have of their members being reluctant to utilize that procedure. Right. I think we have that problem. Um, all three of us are union reps and we encounter this every day. And yes, that's our members have a problem. They want to talk about their problem, but they don't want to raise their hand and and make the issue official, turn it into an official grievance. So let, let's talk about that. What is a grievance procedure? Grievance procedure is a step by step process usually ending in binding arbitration that gives members the opportunity to resolve issues, complaints that happen on the shop floor. Yeah. So so I think this this conversation applies to any worker out there who's the, a member of a union. Yeah, this is the podcast for local 1150 members, but um, anybody can benefit from this conversation. So it's important for everybody to understand that as a union member, you are the union, right? Um, the union is only as strong and only as effective and only as powerful as its members. Yes. Right? The members need to participate in the operation and activities of the union in order to make it strong. Exactly. And I think the most important piece of that is taking part in the grievance procedure. Yes. When you have a problem, right? Yeah. Raise your hand. That's what this episode is is called. It's raise your hand. And we're going to talk to union members about taking that active role in their with their union within the grievance procedure. A good union member doesn't have to join committees, doesn't have to do all that stuff. A good union member stands up for his or her rights by raising their hand in the grievance procedure. And the rights of other members on the shop floor as well. Absolutely. So what what does it mean to be a, a good union member, right? What are the things you do besides raising your hand in the grievance procedure? What are the things you do? You attend union meetings. Yeah, come to a meeting. The meetings at Local 1150 are available on Zoom. They're easy to attend. There are two meetings every month to accommodate shift workers. So, you know, unlike a lot of local unions, we don't do our meetings on Sunday mornings, right? We don't take the weekend away from you. We do them during the week. We give you the choice of which meeting to come to. And so, so they should be attended frequently, um, which is something that we struggle with, like most unions do. But that's the beginning of it, right? Come to a meeting, find out what's going on. The two guys sitting with me here, Vinny and Jason, you know, they do social media. They do the newsletter. Um, so read those things, right? R look at social media. Read the union's newsletter. Um, read all the, the mailings that we send to your house. Don't throw them away. It's not junk mail, right? If we send something to your house, it's because we want you to know something. And most importantly, listen to this podcast. Listen to our podcast. 
Yeah, if you're not informed, you can't enforce your rights. Absolutely. I, I talk to young members all the time about reading the contract. Reading the contract is the first step in exercising your, your rights under the contract. If you don't know what your rights are, you can't raise your hand and claim that your rights have been yes. violated. So I think a common misconception is that people assume, oh, it's the troublemakers. The union's always getting the troublemakers out of, you know, an issue they got themselves into. And as a member, as an active member, you're the one who's driving what cases are going to the steward. So the steward, they're, all, they're bound to whatever they're receiving as a steward request. And we push those cases forward. You know, we determine merit and push them forward. Yeah. But you're the ones who are bringing these cases forward. You're the ones with the eyes on the floor who are observing these contract violations. And if you choose to ignore it, then we're going to have a weak contract. Absolutely. Exactly. Our members pay dues. They pay dues to have that right. Yeah. To be represented. So there's no reason not to do it. I mean, I don't know too many people who pay a cable bill and never turn their television on. Right? Use that service that you're paying for. As a steward, I will still call for a steward myself and get representation for myself for an issue. It's just using your, you know, your rights that you're paying for. Absolutely. And so let's talk about being comfortable with that because I think that's really the biggest deterrent for folks, right? They're nervous yeah. about taking that step. Um, so let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about why they shouldn't be nervous about it. Well, for one, you know, you're protected by the grievance procedure that they are not going to retaliate against you. And your steward is there to make sure that does not happen. So if you raise your hand, you shouldn't be worrying about retribution from the company. Also protected by the law. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and listen, you know, I, I, we can speak on behalf of Local 1150 and, and, and our experiences. Sikorsky Aircraft doesn't typically retaliate for union activity. Right. It's not something that they're in the habit of doing. Yeah. I know that there's companies out there who who do do that, but Sikorsky Aircraft isn't one of them. You know, they're not in the habit of retaliating against members who raise their hand on an issue. So important to talk about where our rights come from. Right. Where do we get the right to union representation? And I think we have that right through our collective bargaining agreement. But. There are some court cases, one in particular, that guarantee us the right under certain conditions. Um, most union members are familiar with the term Weingarten rights, um, and, and your Weingarten rights guarantee you to representation during what's called an investigatory interview, right? And th this is an important time because this is when trouble can happen. So in 1975, the Supreme Court upheld an NLRB ruling that guaranteed workers the right to have a union representative with them if they were involved in a, an interview where a company official was either asking them to defend their actions or questioning them in such a manner that the employee felt like there could be discipline following, right? So the NLRB said, yep, you're guaranteed the right to union representation in that circumstance. The company, Jay Weingarten, took that case to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court upheld that decision. And it's today known as our Weingarten rights. That decision turned into our Weingarten rights, which we, we invoke all the time, right? So yes. if you are 
the subject of that type of conversation. And listen, supervisors, managers, HR reps, um, security folks, they try to frame these conversations in such a way that it feels like a casual conversation. In fact, some of the folks at Sikorsky Aircraft, some of the, the security people who conduct these interviews will actually say that. Hey, this is just a conversation. We're just talking. And it's not true. You're not yeah. just talking. You're answering questions, and you're possibly putting yourself in harm's way. Yes. You need to take part in that process, but you have the right to take part in that process with a union representative alongside you. And that's the important thing to know. So it's important for us to educate people on how to go about asking for that representation. So how does it work? The employee must make the claim when they're going to be interviewed that they would like their union representation to be there. Yeah. So when the conversation starts, right, they're asking you to defend your actions or they're asking questions in such a way that you feel like you could be disciplined if you're answering these questions. And it, I think it's important to point out, this isn't always gonna be in an HR person's office. This could be on the shop floor. This could seem very, very insignificant. Yeah. But if they're asking you questions about your performance or something that you might've done that could lead to discipline, you need to have it in your mind, I should request a steward right yes, now. Absolutely. Nobody is gonna come to you and say, hey, now's the point where you should make that request. You have to do that. Absolutely. So an investigatory interview, I'm going to read this because this is kind of an official thing, right? Uh, an investigatory interview is one in which a company representative questions an employee to obtain information which could be used as a basis for discipline or asks an employee to defend his or her conduct. So our Rheingarten rights say that if an employee has a reasonable belief that discipline or discharge may result from what he or she says, the employee has the right to request union representation. And that request should come every single time. Yes. One of the common problems I have, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but my guess is you have, is someone will come to you, a member will come to you and say, I was just interviewed by HR the last half hour. What do I do? And, and my answer is usually build a time machine, <laughs> go back 30 minutes, and call for your union steward. Yep, that's about the only thing you yep, can do. Pretty much. Right? So it's too late. If you've taken part in that conversation, it's too late to go back. So don't do that. Don't be afraid not to request union representation. You should be afraid not to request union representation. Yep. Because if they're asking you these questions, they're looking for trouble. Yeah, I think smart people use all the tools at their disposal, and this is a tool that you're paying for. Yes. All right, so how do we establish that this is an investigatory interview? How does the union know that this is, in fact, an investigatory interview? So there are some rules, right? It needs to be part of the employer's disciplinary procedure or a component of some procedure that the company uses to determine whether discipline will be imposed. If the purpose of this interview is to investigate an employee's performance where discipline or something else of consequence could result. The purpose of the interview is to elicit facts from the employee to support disciplinary action that is probable or that is being considered or to obtain admissions of misconduct or other evidence to support a disciplinary decision already made. So 
they could be just fact finding in order to confirm what they already think they know, right? Yeah. So this is something that I always say to our members. If you're being questioned by security or by human resources, the likelihood is that every question they ask you, they already have the answer. Yeah. They already know the answer. They're looking for you to confirm it. Yeah. So you have to know that going into this process. Yeah, this could start off like a friendly conversation, and then quickly you're going to see there's questions being asked, and there's a purpose to each question. They know where they are trying to go with it. They know you know, f- certain facts that they're trying to get you to elaborate on, yeah. and that's going to paint the picture for them. So it's really important for members to understand that if they're the subject of an interview, understand what I'm saying, the subject of an interview, you need to answer questions, right? Yes, you have the right not to make a statement it's probably not a good thing to exercise, right? You should be answering questions. You should absolutely be answering questions. It's important to be as truthful as possible when you're involved in this and um, to take part in the process. The company is going to assume guilt if you're the subject of an interview and you don't give a statement. The other important thing is you want to remember they're transcribing what you're writing down when you're making these statements so what you're saying is being documented and at the end of these interviews you should be reviewing that statement with your steward and making sure that what you said truly reflects what you meant Um, there's many times where somebody might write down what they're hearing and they change a few words and that could totally change the intent of what you were trying to say and that's one of the very common mistakes you'd see somebody make going into an interview without a steward Exactly. Um, I was just going to say, which makes it so important to have a steward with you because your steward is going to have these conversations with you before the interview starts, right? They're going to pull you aside before you go into the room and and you're going to have a conversation with the steward and the steward's going to prepare you for what to expect. So there are some rules, right, that, that that apply to investigatory interviews and specifically to raising your hand. So you need to be very clear about wanting union representation so you need to make a clear request for union representation the company is not going to offer you a steward maybe some hr reps will yeah i know some who will some do um but you shouldn't expect that you should assume that you are entitled to union representation listen it doesn't hurt to make a request for a steward and find out that you don't have the right to make that request yeah Better to make the request. After you make that request, the HR rep, supervisor, manager, security rep, whoever's conducting this interview, whoever's in the room, they have a few options. They can either grant you the request and hold off on asking any questions until your union steward shows up. Yes. Or they can deny the request and end that interview, right? If they deny your request for union representation, the interview cannot move forward. A note on that. What should you do if they deny your request? Well, you definitely don't want to just get up and walk out of the room. You're required to sit down, listen to their whatever they're trying to tell you, but you are not required to interact with them and answer questions. Right. So if they do make that mistake, so that would be a violation of your rights to continue with the um, questioning once you've made a request for a steward. But don't leave. Right. Stay there. Listen but don't speak. 
you have the right to refuse to answer questions until you have a steward present. But if if the company refuses you a union steward and says, we're not going to ask you questions anymore, you should go back to your area, make a request for a union steward through your supervisor, and let your union know that that happened. Yeah. Absolutely. We Absolutely. should know if the company is denying people requests for union stewards. Absolutely. So that's an important thing. So there are lots of other reasons that you should request a steward. It's not just if you're the subject of an interview, um, if you're in one of those investigatory interviews. That's not the only time you should call for a steward. Uh, there are lots of other reasons to request a steward, and they're, you know, they're pretty simple. What are they? You have any kind of questions that you'd like to ask your steward? Yeah, if you have a question, right? Yeah. You have, a, you have a question about the contract. You have a question about the union. You have a question about um, company policies. Make a steward request. Yeah, I and think a lot of people view this as like a big daunting thing, but it doesn't have to be. You don't no, have to go to the manager and then pursue an issue afterwards. It could just be that you're getting some information. Yeah. yeah. You believe your rights under the law or under the collective bargaining agreement are being violated by the company. Yeah. So listen again. Read your contract know your rights if your rights are being violated raise your hand if you believe your rights are being violated raise your hand ask the question your steward is going to tell you right have you guys ever said no to a to a member have you guys ever said hey um understand your concern but you don't have a case there's going to be times where that happens yeah, yeah. for sure definitely but let us do that right don't make that determination yourself if yes. you feel like your rights are being violated Make the request, let your steward sit down with you and have that conversation and make that determination. Better to raise your hand to ask a question and be told that you don't have a case than to not do it at all because that's how you learn, by going through the process and seeing how it works. No question. You know, there's also times where people might not ask for help and they were actually owed more than what they had thought they were owed. Yep. Yep. That's a common one. So it doesn't have to be just about you either. So as union members, union representatives, whoever you are, if you're a dues-paying member and you witness a violation of our contract, so if management is violating our contract or any other company official is violating the collective bargaining agreement, you should raise your hand. Yes. You should make a steward request. You have a right. As a party to that agreement, you have the right to uphold that agreement, to enforce that agreement. Yes. So do it. Right. Alert the union. Call for your steward and alert the union that the agreement is being violated. We are the eyes and ears for each other. And somebody who's having their rights violated might not see the violation, but maybe you do. And you should raise your hand. Yeah, that's especially true when you see outside contractors coming in to perform work. That's something that we get people catching a lot. Yeah. Um, Vinny, you just got a you just got a call about that. Right before we turned on the microphones, yes, I, yes, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. So, uh, so that stuff happens all the time, and that's how we protect one another, right? Don't just live in your own little bubble. Look around. Uh, don't look for trouble, but when you see trouble, make sure you point it out. Yes. And don't just pigeonhole yourself to the contract, right? When the company violates their own policies, that warrants a steward request. These are policies that... The company is enforcing upon us as workers. Yes. And the same policies apply to management. 
So if they're enforcing policies upon you and then violating those policies themselves, that's a violation. Yeah, and, and that, and that should be talked about. And that could also be grounds for them to lose in a disciplinary case. Yep. So let's talk about our contract specifically. So we have a pretty, a pretty comprehensive grievance procedure that starts with a simple conversation, right? We have what we call the oral step of the grievance procedure, which is kind of two steps within one, right? Step one is we have a 1B, a 1A and a 1B. Both of those steps, both of those steps within the first step are oral conversations, right? There's nothing written. It's just a conversation to try to remedy a situation that's going on, to try to resolve a problem. If that problem can't be resolved at that oral step with those conversations, then it moves to a, a formal written grievance. The steward will write a, a grievance and hand it off to a business agent who will take it up with human resources. That would be step two. Step three would be the same conversation between business agent, human resources rep, but at a, at a higher level, right, with an HR manager rather than an HR representative. But important to know that our grievance procedure ends, like many do, with binding arbitration. Yeah. So what is binding arbitration? So binding arbitration is very similar to a court case, except you're not in a formal court setting. The parties have agreed to have a third-party representative listen to both their claims and to settle it based how they see fit and based on the contract. Yep, and binding is really the important piece yeah. of this, right? And because the, the ruling that the arbitrator who presides over the case makes is final. There is no appeals process. There is nothing either party can do to change the decision that an arbitrator makes. And that's scary for both sides, right? If you're dealing with, say, a, a case that involves interpretation of our contract language, if you lose that case, then the interpretation of that language that you didn't want to have is suddenly the law. Um, one case that comes to mind immediately um, years ago, we arbitrated a case over our attendance policy. And within our attendance policy, there are warning levels. There are, there are several warning levels within that policy that we never hear about, right? We never get these warnings from our supervisors. If we reach a certain level, um, we don't get that warning. So we arbitrated a case like that. We had a, an employee who was terminated for poor attendance, that employee made the claim that his supervisor did not give him the warnings throughout um, as his, his points rose. And um, we took that case to arbitration and we lost. The decision was that employees are responsible to know where their attendance is at all times. And this, it's not the supervisor's responsibility to give those warnings. So now we don't get the warnings. And that's the law. Yeah. So that kind of ruling becomes permanent. So your success at that level, at the arbitration level, kind of dictates your success down the line, right? Yeah. If you're really good at arbitrations, then um, the other party is going to be compelled to, to resolve your case before it gets to arbitration. And I think that's kind of where we are now, right? Um, important for our members to know. If you're a local 1150 member listening to this, it's important for you to know that 
we're pretty good at this, right? We, we do well in the grievance procedure. We're successful at it. I think because, not because we're real savvy, right? I, I don't, I don't want to say that about us. What I want to say is we advance cases that are legitimate, right? We're good at letting our members know why they don't have a good case if that's the fact, right? If they don't have a good case, we're good at letting them know that and not advancing that case throughout the procedure. If we're advancing a case to arbitration, we believe we have a really good case. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's put it in a nutshell, guys. What what is what's the bottom line? The steward is only as strong as the members behind them and when the members have the stewards back, the steward could do uh, their job better and have better outcomes and it's good to have more than one person raise their hand because when you when you put multiple people in a room to face the supervisor, it's a little more daunting for them to have, you know, half the department there that they have to answer to, not just the steward and one member. So it's really about having your stewards back. That's a good point. How I see it is this. The more often we raise our hand to protect our rights, the less common those violations are going to become. Yes. Right? The company, if the company knows we're going to stand up for ourselves as members, then they're going to stop doing the things or at least curtail doing the things that are prompting those steward requests, yeah. right? They're going to they're going to learn their lesson at some point. So that's what it means to me. It's taking control of your rights. I, I, I almost said it's taking control of the workplace, but I don't want people to get the wrong idea. We understand that the company runs the business, yeah. right? But we are in agreement with them through our contract about how that business should run, about the rules that surround running that business. And we need to uphold that as members. We need to make sure that the company is upholding their end of the bargain. And by raising our hand when there's a problem, we do that. And the grievance procedure is like a muscle. It needs to be exercised as often as possible in every area on the shop floor. You have some areas that that uh, members will raise their hand more often and others where they won't. But in all areas, when there's a violation, we have to raise our hands. I think people forget that the company's watching these things to see to gauge the membership. How pissed are the members about us doing this? Yeah. Do they care that I violated their rights? And if your steward is the only one who's going after an issue, they're not going to take you very seriously. Exactly. Exactly. Which goes back to what Vinny said is having the stewards back, right? Put the weapon in your steward's hand. Exactly. As a steward, one of the things I love to do is to put in front of management, you know, this is the reaction of your people. They're pissed. And let them try and sort through that. Let them look a guy in the eye in the grievance procedure who works hard for them five to seven days per week and let them tell them, hey, you don't merit a raise. You know, your your issue is not important or my following your rights isn't something that I think I need to do. But you keep working hard for me. Yeah. So I think Vinny said the last word. Flex your muscle, right? Yep. It's a muscle. Flex, muscle. flex that muscle. Okay. So um, – Time for today's contest. What's today's contest? What was the first recorded labor action in world history? Ooh. World history? World history. Okay. What was the first recorded labor action in world history? Email us your answers at comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. We'll take all the correct answers. We'll throw them in a hat, and we'll pick one winner to win some cool stuff. 
All right. Remember to give us your name and your contact information so that we can give you a call and let you know that you won. All right. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week. I'm Stephen French. I'm Benny Kaitsi. And thanks for tuning in.